Okay, I think um, I just want to give a little bit of a, a blueprint of, of kind of where we are at right now and, and where we're going over the course of the next few weeks. So this, this time of the year is always, it's always a little strange to me because, you know, we, we just celebrated Advent and then Christmas, of course, uh, and we had the, the, the conclusion of the Christmas season last Sunday for the Epiphany. And, and we have Lent coming up uh, in February, starting on February 22nd. That's when Ash Wednesday is. You can mark your calendars for that. Um, but then there's this, this in-between phase, which, as you can see, I'm wearing green. So, you know, this green means ordinary time. And, and it's, it's kind of an awkward phase for me anyway, because, you know, we just had these this really big couple of seasons. And now we, then we've got coming up this, this really big season. And then it's just like, okay, well, what, what are we supposed to do during, during this time? You know, like, of course, we have the scriptures and, and we're going to hear the scriptures. Um, but it just, it's, it seems like it's, especially for me, because I mentioned this at Christmas this year, for Lent and for Easter, you're all going to get a letter explaining this. Uh, for Lent and for Easter, I'm going to focus for like 14 weeks, so about 100 days, we're, we're going to focus on the foundational story of what we believe as Christians. Not just as Catholic Christians, of course, as Catholic Christians, but what we believe, what all Christians believe about who Jesus is, what God has done in the person of Jesus. And, and so for me, that's like what's in my mind, building up to this, this really big series of, of preaching that, that we're going to engage in. Um, so, so then it's like, okay, but I still, got, I still got to talk about the scriptures here. So anyway, so there's, there's that on my mind. So now we're in ordinary time, and, and during ordinary time, maybe, maybe you know this, maybe you've noticed this, maybe you've never really thought about it. During ordinary time, the church has a three-year cycle of readings. So there's year A, year B, and year C. Very original names, I know. So we're, we're just beginning, like today, year A. Well, technically, I guess at the beginning of Advent, that's the beginning of the year. But as far as the ordinary time cycle goes, today, we're beginning year A. Which year A, the Gospels always focus on the Gospel of Matthew, except for this particular week because it begins ordinary time. So every year, the beginning of ordinary time for the gospel, it always starts with the gospel of John. But next week, when you come to, the, to, to mass, you're going to hear from the gospel of Matthew. And you're going to hear from Matthew any time, any Sunday, it's ordinary time because we're in year A. And that's, that's what we talk about during year A. That's who we hear from. So we're going to slowly make our way through the gospel of Matthew, except, like I said, during Lent, it's going to be interrupted because the readings are different during these big seasons. So to me, that's, that's part of where the, the difficulty is. It's like, okay, so we're going to start talking about Matthew, and then after Pentecost, so which is going to be the first Sunday of June, Pentecost is May 28th, so the first Sunday of June, I'm going to feel like I have to explain all this again because it's been, it'll have been such a long time since we spoke about the Gospel of Matthew. Um, okay, all of that, right? All of that. So that's, that's something. So we're going to hear from the Gospel of Matthew. Next week, we're going to hear about him calling his first disciples. And then after that, we're going to get into uh, four weeks, I believe, of the Sermon on the Mount, which begins in Matthew chapter 5. And that is uh, Jesus's longest continuous time of speaking, of preaching in the Gospels. Uh, it's, it's Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. We don't get to read the whole thing because Lent gets in the way of things. Um, so it's, it's even a little bit difficult there preaching about that, right? So you can maybe even tell, like, by my difficulty speaking about it points to the difficulty in my mind of like, okay, I know how the gospel is laid out, and I know that we're going to have a chunk of it now and a chunk of it 
in like four months. Uh, and, and so it's like, what do we do with this time? I think what we can do during this time is, is sort of prepare ourselves for Lent in, in some ways. We can prepare ourselves for the sermon series that I'm going to preach about, which is the foundations, by looking at maybe some, some first principles or some first maybe prerequisites for understanding or even for wanting to understand who Jesus is and what God has done in the person of Jesus. And it begins very simply with that question, are you interested in it? And I know it might seem like a strange question asking a group of people who are at Sunday Mass at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning to ask that question. It seems strange to say, are you even interested in Jesus? And I know that sounds strange, but one observation I've made as a priest, and that's, that's, that goes beyond my time at this parish, my observations as a priest over the last almost eight years, which is, I know, still not very long, but it's this, it's that there are lots of people who come to Sunday Mass who are not actually interested in learning about Jesus. And again, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular sitting in this congregation or in any of the congregations that we have in our three parishes. My general observation is that there are lots of people who come to Sunday Mass, either sometimes people who come every Sunday, sometimes people who come sporadically, and sometimes people who just like, somehow like they wake up on Sunday morning and find themselves in church. And it's like, how did I get here, right? Like, and anything in between. People who are like, they're maybe fine coming to church, but they're more interested in feeling good. And so if the homily doesn't make them feel good, then to them, it was a wasted morning. Or they're, they're more interested in being with their family. And so if their family's not going to be at Mass, then neither are they going to be at Mass. And, and, and again, maybe you're one of those people who says, no, actually, Father, I'm really interested in learning about Jesus. Teach me. And if that's you, praise God. Just know that there are some people, probably, in this church who have no real interest of learning what Jesus teaches, why he teaches it, and what that means for our lives, whether we need to change or not change. And so this is the first question that I think, I think we all have to answer. Are you interested in this? Like, is this something that you think to yourself, well, no, I, I know everything there is to know about Jesus. Or are you one of those people that says, actually, maybe I know a little bit about him. Maybe I've been following him for some time, but I know that there's still so much maybe that I've never been taught. I'm interested to know that that if there's anything I believe that's, that's incorrect about him, I'm interested in that being corrected? Or whatever, it, like, yeah, I know something about him, but I know that I can grow even more. And so I'm, I'm interested. Because this, this, is, this is the thing, right? Is like, next week we're going to hear this, that Jesus, he starts preaching, and he starts preaching about repentance, and then he calls people to follow him. And when he calls people to follow him, it says that they leave everything. They leave everything behind so that they can become disciples of Jesus. And that all begins with an understanding of who Jesus is. And John the Baptist, I think, talks to him uh, about this, or talks about him very clearly with this, right? We, what do we hear in our gospel from, from the gospel of John? John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He said to the one, or he is the one, he is the one of whom I said, 
A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. Do you, do you hear this? John is pointing to Jesus and he says, Jesus takes away the sin of the world and Jesus existed before I did. Which if you know the story, John the Baptist is six months older than Jesus is. So John sees beneath the surface of who Jesus is, and he says, this person existed before I did, even though I'm older than him. That's, and if, if you're not sure about who Jesus is, like, the, like these people would have been, right? This should be a little confusing, right? Like, how does, how does this work? And then, of course, John goes down further, right? Um, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit, Right? If someone was to, to walk up to you and ask you, like, ask you, what does that mean that Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit? You should be able to give an answer. If you wouldn't, that's okay, because sometimes I wonder, like, I don't even know if I know what that means. But, but this is all, it's all for the purpose, not of, of making us feel bad that we don't know much about our faith, but, but it's for the purpose of hopefully sparking some interest, sparking some sort of, like, hunger to say, like, yeah, I don't understand, but but gosh, there's 2,000 years of history of Christianity. And so maybe somewhere in those 2,000 years, someone has an answer for that. And so I can, I can dive into it. I can explore it. I can, and, and all of this isn't just to gather more information, but it's because, because I call myself a Christian and you call yourself a Christian. And I want to know what it means to be a Christian. And above all, because what does John say? Now I have seen and testified that he is the son of God. If Jesus is the son of God, right? If, if, if this is true, right? So we're getting at like the core of who Jesus is. If he's the son of God, what does that mean about the things that he says? What does that mean about the things that he does? What does that mean about the way that he looks at life? Right? I, think, I think we can maybe just, just talk about some of these things just, just briefly. One, what does that mean if, if, if it's true that Jesus is the Son of God? That is to say, if it's true that Jesus is God, what does that mean about the things that he says? It means that they're absolute. It means that there's nothing more important than what Jesus says. So then to ask yourself the question, do I approach my life with that mentality? That Jesus, whatever you say, is the most important thing. And so if I have a thought that, that runs differently than something that you say, am I willing to change my thought because what you say, Jesus, is the most important thing? Do you approach your life with that perspective? What does that mean about the things that he does? Well, again, if it's true that Jesus is God, then the things that he does show or reveal the priority of God. And so as I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I observe, I, I don't just pay attention to what he says. Of course I do that. But I also observe the way that he interacts with people. I observe the things that he does. I observe the people that he reaches out toward. And I say, the people that Jesus reaches out to, the people that he interacts with, and the way that he interacts with them, that reveals the priorities of God. And if these are the priorities of God, again, just like what he says is the most important thing, then I want to make my priorities, I actually have that opportunity that I can make my priorities the same priorities that God has. 
And so again, as, I, as I'm observing all of this, I, I might find that some of my priorities are different than the priorities of God. And if that's true, then there's, there's maybe an invitation, maybe a challenge to change my priorities. To say, right, I don't, I don't want to have priorities that are different than God's priorities. Or I don't want to have them ordered differently than God does. And so if Jesus has a particular kind of person that he cares for more, or if he has a, a particular way of interacting with certain people, then, then I want to sort of absorb those into my life, which sometimes might be really challenging. And we see this to be challenging, right? Because we know that Jesus tends to notice more than anything. He tends to notice those who are poor, those who are lowly, those who society overlooks. The kind of people that, that our society, right? We who live in society tend to want to ignore or pretend like they don't exist. And if that's the case, right, then there's this big challenge of like, okay, how can I, how can I take the priorities of God and bring them into my life? And then lastly, what is it, what is it like, how does Jesus look at life? How does he perceive or, or what's his perspective on life in general? And I, I think about this, right? If it's true that he's God, then he's always existed, which means what? It means a whole bunch of things. It means that he's experienced everything. He's seen everything. And so if there are ever, ever situations in my life where I might become anxious or nervous or worried about things, I think I can look at Jesus and I can see like, okay, Jesus has seen it all and he doesn't ever seem anxious or worried in the gospels. And so if that's the case, maybe, maybe I can believe that he's with me. And so I maybe don't have to be anxious or worried. I still might experience those emotions, but I don't have to let those emotions overtake me. But then another, another thing is, okay, he's experienced everything, he's seen everything, and he's still, within the midst of that, he always has the long game in mind. He always has eternity in mind. And so for me then, to recognize that in my life and you in your life, it's actually kind of hard sometimes to keep eternity in mind. It's, it's so easy to choose things that are here and now that are maybe passing pleasures, or to choose things here and now that are easier for us to choose. To recognize that I don't actually always have to live in that place, but sometimes I can live with eternity in mind, and I can sometimes choose things that are, are not passing. I can choose things that sometimes are unpleasant. I can choose things that are not easy for the sake of keeping eternity in my mind more often than I currently do. I think all of these things, right, and there's, there's, there's even more than this, right? There's, but, but these are all these things we can try to, like, look at Jesus, right, to take a good, like, to try to, in some ways, take a microscope and just zoom in on him in our lives and take a good, hard look at, like, okay, this is who we believe Jesus to be, the eternal Son of God who has always existed. And as I zoom in on him, right, I'm forced to deal with this decision that I've made in my mind, that I'm a Christian. And if that's the case, then my life is to become what I'm zooming in on. And as I do this, I see, is my life going in that direction? Maybe I'm not there yet. And, and that's true for probably all of us, that no one is there yet. But if we're not even going in that direction, right? If we're letting our lives go in different directions, then, then we ultimately have to kind of get back to this question of like, do I believe this? Do I believe in him? Am I interested in him? Am I interested in my life becoming like his, or do I really just want my life to do what I want my life to do? These are all questions I think we can really reflect on over the course of the next 
five weeks, six weeks, as we, as we lead up into learning more specifically about what God has done in the person of Jesus. But again, if, if Jesus isn't actually who he says he is, then it doesn't matter what God has done in his person. But if he is who he says he is, then what God has done in him is the most important thing. And that's the kind of thing that we want to prepare ourselves to experience and to receive and to take into our lives.